Welcome to the Rosemont Baptist Church podcast. Rosemont is a thriving group of believers who desire to connect with Jesus and his church, grow in faith and understanding of God's word, and serve in our local area and around the world. We are located in LaGrange, Georgia at 3794 Hamilton Road and invite you to attend any of our three services on Sunday mornings. Please visit our website at rosemontchurch.org for more information. And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. Take your Bibles open to Exodus chapter 31. Exodus chapter 31. Happy Father's Day. Dads, we're glad that you're here with us this morning. Glad that you're celebrating. Hope your day so far has gone according to plan. Uh, maybe you got uh, lunch plans or, or fishing this afternoon or just a day of rest. We hope you got a donut when you came in. Uh, that's really for everybody. We got enough donuts for everybody, not just the dad. So if you didn't get one on the way in, get one on the way out because I do not need to eat donuts this afternoon, if you know what I'm saying. We need y'all to take care of those for us. Take as many as you want. Uh, I got a couple of funny quotes here I thought you would appreciate about fathers. Here's one of them. By the time a man realizes that maybe his father was right... He usually has a son who thinks he's wrong. (laughs) Amen to that. (laughs) Mark Twain said, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he'd learned in seven years. (laughs) That's true. Dads, we've got a big job. And aside from all the stresses of jobs, and careers and the responsibilities we have, there are little eyes that are always watching us, right? And so we've got a challenge. It's a big deal what we do. Uh, We pray that the Lord gives you a day of rest and a day of fun, but always remember, dads, your responsibility, right? What What a blessing the Lord has given you with children. What a great responsibility you have. And so we pray today would be just a fun day for you and that you celebrate with your family all that the Lord has done. Now, we're continuing our study this morning in Exodus. Uh, We're spending time walking through verse by verse, chapter by chapter to to, to see the bigger picture of the Lord. I I love preaching through books because it gives us an overall picture, a a greater understanding of exactly who the Lord is and how the Lord works. And we're going to summarize a little this morning, right? I want to finish this book by the end of the summer. And so in order to kind of do that, we've got to fast forward just a little bit. So I'm going to skip just a few chapters here, but I'm going to summarize what we're doing and what the Lord's saying, and we're going to move on and and spend some real time in chapter 31. Up to this point, right, the Lord has given the children of Israel the Ten Commandments. They're in the desert. Moses has gone up on the mountain. He's gotten the Ten Commandments. And the Lord, over the last many weeks of our study, has been giving the Lord very specific directions about the tabernacle. Here's how you're to build the tabernacle. And he's given them a very specific instructions about the size and the cloth and the curtains and the wood, the things that go in the tabernacle. We've talked about the Ark of the Covenant, the lampstand, the table of his presence, right? And so in chapter 27, the Lord's going to continue to do that. In fact, he's going to give them many more specific details of exactly how the tabernacle has been built, is supposed to be built. Uh, Exodus 28 and 29, he's going to give them specific requirements about the priests, right? Who's going to kind of man the tabernacle? How are they going to function? What are their garments going to look like? How are they going to be sewn together? Uh, How many jewels are you going to put in the breastplate? Very, very specific things. 
You move into chapter 30, the Lord is going to continue to give instructions about the altar and how to consecrate the altar and exactly how he's going to anoint it with oil and prepare it for the sacrifices he's going to ask the children of Israel to give. But in chapter 31, something different is going to happen. Right Up until this point, the Lord has kind of been speaking specifically about the building of the tabernacle, how it's going to be built, how many cloths, the size, the wood, so on and so forth. But he hasn't explained exactly who's going to build it, right? So we're going to take this big picture understanding of the tabernacle, the specifics of what it's going to look like, and the Lord now is going to encourage and command that specific people be part of the process, right? So here's the the 30,000 foot view that I want you to get this morning. God has very specific plans for this world. God has very specific plans for this church. God has very specific plans for our country. We all know this, but here's the key and here's the point of application for you. The Lord calls specific people to fulfill his calling in order to make his plans happen. You understand that? Right? God could have very simply spoken the tabernacle into existence. He spoke creation into existence. He could have spoken the tabernacle into existence. He could have spoken and the tabernacle would have appeared along with all the curtains, the Holy of Holies, the veil, the Ark of the Covenant. He could have spoken all those things into existence, but instead he chose, and this is the beautiful part, he chose to use sinful people to accomplish his purposes. So Exodus 31, there's a little bit of a change. We're going from the specifics of how we're going to build it to the people that I'm going to call to build it and watch now how I'm going to equip and prepare them to fulfill my purposes. So Exodus chapter 31, beginning in verse 1. So the Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship. We're going to come back to that idea of the spirit of God in just a minute and what the spirit of God does. Verse 4, to devise artistic designs to work in gold and silver and bronze and cutting stones for setting and in carving wood to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahazamech of the tribe of Dan. And I have given, watch, to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you. And here's the list of what they're going to make. The tent of meeting, the ark of the testimony, the mercy seat that is on it, all the furnishings of the tent, the table and its utensils, the pure lampstand with its utensils and the altar of incense, verse 9, the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils and the basin and its stand and the finely worked garments, the holy garments for Aaron, the priest, and the garments of his sons for their service as priests and the anointing oil and the fragrance of incense for the holy place according to all that I have commanded. Watch, they shall do. Here's truth number one. God calls everyone to serve him in some capacity. God calls everyone to serve him in some capacity, right? It's very easy for us if we're not careful to think the Lord can't use us. 
Very easy for us to listen to the enemy, to listen to the lies, to listen to the untruths, and find ourselves in this place where we don't really think the Lord can use us, right? And we do something like this. Man, if you knew what I've done, if you knew the mistakes that I've made, if you knew my thoughts, if you knew how I spent some of my money, on and on the list goes, if you knew these things about me, you would understand that the Lord can never fully use me. You need to understand that's a lie from the enemy. It's an absolute lie. He wants to do everything he can to short circuit what the Lord's doing in your life. He wants to do everything he can to keep you from fulfilling your purposes. He does not want you to understand that the Lord calls you and equips you to do the things he wants you to do. Now, I want you to see this kind of lived out in Exodus 31. So I want to draw your attention for just a few minutes to verse 6. So Exodus chapter 31, verse 6. And behold, I've appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahazamach of the tribe of Dan. Watch. And I have given to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you. Now, that verse is translated differently in different translations. You need to understand something about translations, right? Their original language, this is actually written in Hebrew. And then depending on the translation, scholars translate it a little bit differently depending on whether it's ESV or NIV or New American Standard or King James Version. In the King James Version, I want you to listen to the second half of the verse. Right, ESV says, I have given to all able men that they may make all that I have commanded you. The King James says, and in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, I have put wisdom that they may make all that I have commanded thee. So there's this idea, right? Depending on the translation you read, you kind of get this different feel for it, but they're all kind of getting to the same purpose. They're all getting to the same idea that in order for the Lord to use you, you don't need intelligence or strength or certain abilities, right? God's going to give those things to you. What you do need is to be willing and able. You understand that? If you want to serve the Lord, the only real quality you need is to be willing and able to allow him to use you. Because what we see in Scripture is that God calls these people and then he equips them to do the things that he's called them to do. And so we would say that we can make this case, and I'm going to show you some New Testament examples in just a second. We can make, make this case in the Scripture that the Lord calls us all to very specific things. That means you, and I'm talking to you, right? I'm talking to you. You have a very specific purpose. God has a very specific plan in your life. He's got a very specific thing he wants you to accomplish. Now, we see the same thing in the New Testament. In fact, Paul kind of writes extensively about this, and Paul talks about the gifts, the spiritual gifts that the Lord has given to us. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm going to come back to 1 Corinthians 12 a few different times this morning because it really informs our understanding of what the Lord calls us to do. But here's what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 12, 4. Now, there are a variety of gifts, a variety of different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are a variety of activities, but it's the same God, watch, who empowers them all in everyone. That's what the Bible says. 
Paul says, listen, there's a lot of different gifts. Uh, there's a lot of different talents. There's a lot of different services. There's a lot of different activities. But God empowers those things on everyone, right? Not just a couple of people, not just a pastor, not just a Sunday school teacher, not just a deacon. God empowers them on everyone, right? So we see this idea scripturally that God calls us all to do specific things. Peter says the same thing. First Peter chapter four, verse 10, he says, as each has received a gift, each use it to serve one another. So we see this idea of scripture. Listen, we've all been given these gifts. God has appointed us all with different talents, different abilities, different areas of activities and service. And he's given us those things so that we may use them in his kingdom to edify and to build up the church so that the Lord can be glorified in the process. And so I, I don't really want to uh, offend anybody this way. Well, maybe I kind of do want to offend some of you. But I want to offend you in a holy way. Right? There's no place to be passive in your faith. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Right? There's no place to come and just kind of sit and listen and soak and feel good and go home and never do anything. That's not our calling. We are called to be involved in this process. And in order for that to happen, God says, listen, I've gifted you all. And you've got gifts that I don't have. I've got gifts that you don't have, right? One of the, talk about Father's Day, one of the beautiful things about being, for me, a husband and a father is I realize there's a lot of things I'm not good at, but God has equipped my wife in many cases to be good at the things I'm not good at and vice versa. And if you've been a dad for very long, one of the things you learn about your kids is they'll tell you what you're not good at. Amen? Right? And they find great joy oftentimes in telling you what you're not good at. And so we see this idea in Scripture. I mean, we're, we're all gifted differently, and praise the Lord for that. But we're gifted with purpose. We're gifted so that we can fulfill the calling of the Lord in our lives so the church can be built up, so the glory of the Lord can be made known. Now, some of you are thinking, I get it, I see it, right? You've shown it to me in the Bible. You've shown me a few different verses that say that I've got a gift, that the Lord has gifted me, he's given me this calling, things I'm supposed to accomplish. I've seen those things, fair enough. I, I will admit to that at least. But you might think, I don't, know that, I, don't, I don't know that I can do this, Adam. I just don't think I can do it. I don't, and we, kind of, we fall back on the, I don't have enough of this, or I'm smart enough for here, or I hear this from people a lot. I don't know that I can answer the questions people may ask me, right? I don't know if I can teach because I'm not sure I can answer the questions, or I'm not sure I can share my faith because what if somebody asks me this? Or what, might we kind of fall back into this place of not quite sure I can do it. I'm not quite sure I can handle this. I want you to listen to what the Lord says in Exodus 31. Let's go back to verse 1. I want you to see what he says here. Exodus 31.1. So the Lord said to Moses, see, I have called, right? There's the idea. By name, Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. Watch verse 3. And I have filled him with the spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship. Here's truth number two, right? God equips his people to accomplish his will. So God has called everyone with purpose to do something. 
He's given you ability. He's given you uh, these ideas of things that he wants you to do. He's given you thoughts and gifts for certain activities and ways you can serve. And then the beautiful part about it, not only has he called you to do those things, but through the power of the spirit, he's equipped you to be able to do them. Right? The old saying is God doesn't call the equipped, right? He equips the called. So the idea is, Lord, I'm willing and I'm able. I'm, I don't know what you can do with me. <laughs> like, I don't know what you can accomplish through me because I know my history. I know what I'm good at. And I, I don't know what you can accomplish through me, but I'm willing to trust you, Lord. I'm willing to walk in obedience. I'm willing to kind of give you this blank check. You fill it out the way you want. And Lord, I'm going to trust that you're going to lead me and guide me. And when we do that, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit gives us this ability to accomplish the things that the Lord has called us to accomplish. Now, just a little bit of, of biblical teaching here. I want you to get this. I don't, I don't, I don't want to miss the opportunity to teach you in this, right? We think about the, the, the Holy Spirit. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we would argue that the Bible teaches that all believers have been filled with the Spirit. Right? So as Christians, we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit should lead us and direct us and guide us. Now, that happened because at Pentecost, the Lord sent the Holy Spirit to every believer. Before that happened, in the Old Testament, the Spirit wasn't available to all these people. And so we see very specific moments where the Lord calls people out specifically, like he did in Exodus 31, and he gives them the power of the Spirit, right? In a limited fashion. You're going to have the Spirit. You're going to have the Spirit. You're going to have the Spirit, right? The beautiful thing now is followers of Christ, we all have access to the Holy Spirit. And because we have access to the Spirit, we can accomplish the things that the Lord calls us to accomplish. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 again. He says, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit... It's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Now you say, what, what, what does the Spirit do for me, right? What does the Spirit give me? What does the Spirit accomplish? Well, Jesus talks about this. In fact, right before Jesus ascends into heaven, we have this account of what he says to his followers. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Here's what the Lord says to his followers just before he ascends into heaven. He says, you will receive Power, that's the word he uses there. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. If you want to know what the Spirit did, just read through the book of Acts. Because it was through the Spirit. The Spirit was the engine that drove the New Testament church. Right? The growth of Christianity in the first, second, third century, the growth of Christianity as lived out through the, the first century church, the New Testament church, the growth of what Christ accomplished in this world was driven through the power of the Spirit. So all these early believers, drawing from that power, went out in obedience and literally set the world on fire for Jesus. You understand that? And so the Lord says, listen, that, that same power that existed in Exodus, that same power that existed in Acts is the same power that exists today. And so when the Lord calls us, 
When the Lord says, Adam, listen, here's the thing I want you to accomplish in your life. Here's the the direction I want you to go. Here's my will for your life, right? When the Lord calls you to those things, the Lord is going to equip us and lead us through the power of the Spirit, right? He's going to give us the ability to do the things he's called us to do. But I want you to notice what happens, right? This is the beautiful part, right? As As we sense the Lord leading, as we understand our purpose, as we trust him, as the spirit guides us and equips us and empowers us. Here's the third thing I want you to see. And this is going to bear out in the scripture in just a minute. Number three, when we do these things, God receives glory when we live out his will in our lives. Right? When we trust the Lord, when we follow the Lord, when we allow the spirit to direct us and empower us to accomplish the things of the Lord, ultimately, it's God that receives the glory. Now, let's take a look just big picture for a second at the church because I want you to see something here. I'm going to get this back down to the individual in just a second. But Paul talks extensively about this idea. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is a great place for you to read through if you're interested in spiritual gifts and how they kind of all work together. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 12, he's talking about the church. For just as the body is one, it has many members. And all the members of the body, though are many, are one body. So it is with Christ. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. He's talking about the physical body. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is written, there are many parts, yet one body. So we see this idea, right, that God has created us all. He's given us different gifts. We talked about it a few minutes ago. He's brought us together as followers of Jesus Christ to a specific place. He's gifted us in very specific ways. He's called us to be together, to live together, to serve together so he can accomplish great things. And what we see, and I'm going to show you this in Exodus in just a second, is when these people lived out God's calling when they fulfilled their purposes, when they allowed the Spirit to use them in the context of the body to do the things the Lord had called them to do, it's ultimately the Lord that receives the glory. And so what we see, fast forward just a little bit, and you don't have to look, but I want you to listen. We're getting there in our study. Exodus chapter 40, verse 34, after the tabernacle had been built, right, after all these people heard the calling of the Lord, sensed his presence, obeyed his calling. The Spirit used them to accomplish the purposes of building the tabernacle. Exodus 40, 34 says, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Right? When we live out God's purposes in our lives, he receives the glory. Now, here's the difficult thing for us. We need to get this. We oftentimes see our value in different ways. Right? For a lot of us, we see our value based on what the world teaches. In fact, I have this discussion. I have daughters. I have three daughters and a son. Right? And, and raising, raising children is difficult. Raising daughters in this world of social media seems 
it seems at least way more difficult than it used to be because the pictures they see, the comparisons they make, right, on and on. We know how it goes. Nobody puts ugly pictures of themselves online, right? So we're always looking at the beautiful pictures and how nice this is, and there's comparisons, right? So we have these conversations of where do we find our value? And a lot of people find their value in the things of the world, right? Not always the case, but a lot of times ladies find their value in the way they look. Men find their value in their careers, right? That's not always the case, but generally speaking, those are the struggles that we see. And as long as guys were making enough money or got a nice promotion or have a certain title in front of our name, we find value in that. When that's taken away, we lose value. Ladies, we find value in the way that we look and the clothes that we wear. As long as we have those things, we feel valuable. When we don't look as nice, we feel less valuable. You need to understand from both sides, that's a lie from the enemy. All right, the devil wants you to think that your value comes from the things of this world. And when that's the case, it's very easy to get depressed, isn't it? Very easy to kind of look down on yourself, to not feel good about who you are. But here's the biblical truth. We need to do a better job of understanding myself included. Our value does not come from the things of the world. Our value comes from being a child of God. In fact, the Bible teaches us in the very beginning, we were created in his image. Right? The Bible says in Genesis 1:26, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And so we matter. We have intrinsic value, not because of our jobs or our careers or our looks or any of those things. We have value in the sight of the Lord. Now, here's the cool thing. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I wonder, I bet every person in here at some point this summer is either going to the beach or some large body of water, right? I bet every person. And when, just for fun, let's just do it. How many are going to the beach or some large body of water? Let's just raise your hand. Almost everybody. And when we go to the beach or we go to the lake or we go wherever, right, even the mountains will be included in that, one of the things we love, at least our family, we love to see the sunset, right? And sometimes we'll schedule our day around being outside when the sun sets. Never when the sun rises. It's kind of interesting, right, in the summer. It's always when the sun sets, but whatever. Sunsets, we want to see it. We want to go out there and enjoy it, and it's beautiful. We all, here's the cool thing, man. As beautiful as that sun is, as beautiful as that sunset is, God didn't create any of that in his image. Did you know that? That's not created. It's glorious and as wonderful and as beautiful as that is. None of that's created in his image. The stars at night, man, you walk out and there's no lights and you can see the Milky Way. God didn't create any of that in his image. All the animals and the beauty of creation and all the, the majesty that we see that's so real and tangible and we understand it. None of those things are created in the image of God. We are the only things, humans, that are created in the image of God. And so we have value, we matter, right? Now watch, this is important. Because we are created in the image of God, our very lives demonstrate his glory. When we live for him, when we see our value in him, when we trust him, when we allow his word to inform our decisions, when we trust in his spirit, when we follow him, we're displaying in our lives the glory of the Lord. Psalm chapter 8, verses 3 through 5 say, When I consider your heavens, 
the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is mankind that you're mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels. Watch. And crowned them with glory and with honor. So one of the, the, the beautiful things we get to do, right? One of the privileges we have is displaying the glory of the Lord throughout creation. Numbers 14, 21 says, the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth. Isaiah 6, 3, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory, right? So we see this, this big picture. Let's take a step back, right? God has created us all in his image. Because we've been created in his image, right? We have intrinsic value outside of what the world may or may not say. Because God has created us with value in his image, he's given us purpose, right? We're not just to wander through life and, and walk around in the dark and kind of hope for the best. There's this idea scripturally that we should seek out the Lord, that he may lead us, find his purpose for our life, fulfill that purpose, all the while understanding that God is going to equip us, he's going to give us the power of the spirit. And when we do those things, when we live for him, he receives the glory, and we see that lived out now in Exodus 30, 31, 32. We see God using his people to accomplish his purposes. And so I want to kind of, as we wind this thing down this morning, I want to ask you just a real simple question. What's the Lord calling you to do? If there were no barriers, right? There were no barriers, money, health, time, career, whatever, right? All the things that kind of box us in. Oftentimes we can't do the will of the Lord because we're busy with other things, myself included. I'm, I'm at the front of the line. It's very easy to say, I got too much work this week, or I got too much debt to do, or I got to go this, or this person thinks this. And what if there were none of those barriers? What would the Lord be calling you to do? How could you fulfill your life in him? I think when we start with that question and we, we kind of open our hands to the Lord, and we give him a blank check. I really am, Lord, willing to serve you in all things. I think it's at that moment that the Lord begins to open up our eyes to the truth Amen. of who he really wants us to be. And so I kind of started with dads. I want, I want to circle back around and finish with dads just for a second here, right? Because on this day that we celebrate fathers, on this day we've kind of seen the Lord go from here's how we're going to build the tabernacle to now here's how we're going to do it through people through sinful people that are failures oftentimes. I'm going to use these people to accomplish my purposes. I want to finish with this idea of dads. And dad, I want to ask you a question. How are you displaying the glory of the Lord in your home right now? To your wife, to your children, to your grandchildren. How are you displaying the glory of the Lord at work, on the ball field, on vacation? Here's what one writer said. He said, the tragedy in many homes today is that children grow up to be successful, but not in the things that matter the most. With great investment from their parents, they learn to behave well, collect numerous trophies, land nice scholarships to great colleges and secure rewarding jobs, but they don't have a discernible heart for God. One overarching purpose should drive your leadership as a father. It's molding your children's heart for the gospel.
What are we doing to live for Christ? What are we doing to allow the Spirit to inform us, to lead us, to equip us to all the things he's calling us to do? Let's pray. Father, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, you have given us this beautiful picture of how you use people to accomplish your purposes. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament, Father. There's this clear pattern throughout the Bible. We are your hands and your feet. Give us, Father, the ability to accomplish the things you've called us to accomplish. Help us to sense the power of the Spirit. Help us to follow the leading of the Spirit. Father, help us to hear from you, to know you, to love you. And Father, I pray through our obedience that ultimately you would receive honor and you would receive glory. We pray all these things in the precious, powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.